being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a full barrel carburetor? It is a trick question. Watch this. The Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing will be four degrees before top dead center. Get ready for another hour of Drive Radio, brought to you by Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive Radio on KLZ 560, The Source. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Myself, Josh Goff. Legacy Automotive up in Boulder, Larry Unger. Give us a call, 303-477-5600. Tim, if you're still listening, somebody asked me also to re-explain the synthetic oil thing, which I'll do in a minute. But, Tim, if you're still listening, radiant heaters in the shop. And what what he's asking about is there's several different ways you can do a radiant heater. Now, this is not hot water radiant type heat. These are actual either tube or they make some square infrared. It's really infrared heat is what we should call it, not radiant. It's infrared heat. And it does the heating differently than what you would normally get out of gas-forced air. And as a former shop owner, and even, well, I have a shop still to this day as far as the fleet goes in my own shop at home. And at my own shop at home, I've got two of them. One runs one half, one runs the other half. Uh, The radiant tube heaters or the infrared, is what I should say, the infrared tube heaters. And in my opinion, they're the best thing since sliced bread. They do heat the object and not the air and how they do that i'm not sure i actually understand the technology completely but i will tell you that whatever it is it works so the the vehicle you're working on the floor the walls the tools the toolbox mm-hmm. all that gets warm the air's not but the objects are but because the objects are it's then heating the rest of the room and it works out extremely well they're efficient they're much more efficient than a gas forced air you know, uh, one of those, uh, you know, heaters that you'd put up in the corner, the, the you know, the old, um, what are they called? A loss of words. Yeah. That's what it was called, genitrol yeah. heaters. Yeah, the genitrol heaters. I mean, it's, it's way different than those. Not that those don't work, but they're pushing out air versus heating the objects, those radiant heaters. And they're made in a long tube or they're a square, either one. But in a shop setting, if you have the ability to do that, either if you're building a shop or you're retrofitting one and you've got the ability to do that, by all means, do it. Well, I've never figured out why we put the heater, the janitor heaters up on the ceiling for heat. When the radiant heat will come down, you know, and I like because it, it, it gets the car warm and I stand under and I'm They're warm. awesome. <laughs> it's the best thing since sliced bread. They're not that expensive, by the way. In fact, if you look at what you have to do to install one of those overhead heaters versus doing a, a infrared tube heater or one of the square heaters, uh, two totally different way of doing things. They're so much more efficient on the tube heater. Uh, I mean, really, all you need is an outlet. I know a lot of guys will run an inlet on one end, but you don't need code. Probably you're supposed to, but mm-hmm. you don't technically need it as long as you've got a good vent coming out. And typically, they just come right out the side. You don't have to run them through the roof. They're not that hard to put in. They work extremely well. You can run them off of a thermostat, a controllable thermostat if you want to. They work extremely well. So in my opinion, only way to go in a shop. Now, in my fleet shop, I've got a waste oil heater, which is a whole nother uh, ball of wax, and if you've got a lot of waste oil and you've got the ability to burn it and heat the shop and save some money that way, do I recommend those? Well, of course, because it's just another way of not not only getting rid of the oil that you have, 
uh, but it heats the shop with it as well, and they work great. Now, what I used to have in my shop was a combination of those two. I had the infrared tube heaters, and I also had the waste oil heater, and I would kind of supplement one versus the other. I only used the tube heaters when it got super cold because sometimes those, the, you know, the forced air heaters have a hard time keeping up because you're, again, just heating the air. You're not heating the objects or the infrared's heating the objects. That not a repair. We have our garage doors open and all, the all day long. About the time you get the shop down. warm, you open it up and send it all outside. So having <laughs> that supplemental really helps. Now, at home in a shop, you know, a couple of infrared heaters is about all you'd need. In a way you go. But yes, they work extremely well. So Tim, if you're listening, I would highly recommend them. If you got the ability to do it, they work out fabulous. There's also, for a lot of you that have shops that maybe are even away from the house and not close to your current gas line, there's a lot of those where you could run them off of a, you know, 100, 150 pound bottle of propane. They do make them where, they, where they'll run off of propane. You can mount the propane bottle outside even if you want. So you have the ability. There's lots of configurations is my point as to how you could do an infrared you know, tube heater, uh, and they work extremely well. You just got to figure out how to do it in your shop and, you know, of course, do it to code and all of that. But that's more of a fix-it radio, you know, comment or, or question. We should get into that. How do you heat the shop? I'll do that at one of these points in the future. It's a great, it's a great uh, question, by the way. Okay, oil. What I said a moment ago, and I really do mean this. I know there's standard oil still sold. I know there's even blended oil. I've got some shops of mine that actually use blended oil. I don't really know why because... Blended oil is essentially, if you had four quarts of oil, it's essentially taking three quarts of regular and a quart of synthetic and mixing it together in a blender and pouring it in the car. That's all blended oil is. It's a marketing tool as much as anything. It makes a full synthetic oil change a little less money. Full synthetic oil changes are expensive, but what you get out of that, it far surpasses anything on the conventional side. And again, I'm one that just says, I, I just believe enough in synthetic oil. I wouldn't use conventional oil. I don't know why we have it on the market anymore. I really, in most vehicles, most new vehicles, it's a requirement under warranty to use full synthetic oil. Right, Josh? Oh, yeah. That's how we're getting those long oil changes. So why would we switch from that? Just used to doing things the old way. <laughs> I, I, again, I don't even understand why the oil companies are still producing you know regular oil. And I'm guessing it's a price point as much as is anything. And, and folks that are looking to save money on oil change go that route. But again, folks, really, if you're driving anything that the fleet is about 13 to 14 years of age, which means we're driving, what, 2010, 2008 and above mm -hmm. vehicles, every one of those years I'm mentioning is, was a full synthetic oil vehicle from the beginning. Right. And they'll run better on it, too. Everything works better. So yeah. just, just do that. So, again, line's open, 303-477-5600. And I appreciate the phone calls, 303-477-5600. All right, I got some text messages also that have come in. And uh, I, I answered the one just a moment ago on the synthetic. So if you got any other questions on that, please let us know. Um, also, uh, a small duct fan that pushes hot ceiling air down through a tube to the floor. Okay, sure. I've never done that, but whatever works. I mean, there's all sorts of ways, even the other thing, by the way, that works in a shop, I should have mentioned this earlier. And there's a company that makes the big ass fans. Mm -hmm. That's what they're actually called. I know a lot of people that's offensive, but that's the name of the company. And I will tell you right now that if you've got a, a fairly large shop, those fans do help immensely. It takes all that hot air that ends up being up in the upper end of the, 
of the shop, even from the lights and the other things that you're running in the shop, and it just pushes all that hot air back down. And do they work? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they definitely do. And then they you run them the opposite direction in the summertime, and it got a little bit of a you get some cooling effect out of it. And do they work? Yeah, they move some air. Now, also on that line, Napa, and I know because I have one, sells an alternative to big ass fan that's a little bit cheaper. And actually still a very, very high-quality fan, and I have one. I can attest to it, and I got it from Napa, and it works extremely well, and it's way less priced than the other brand I just mentioned. So if you'd like to look at some of those bigger ceiling fans, look no further than your local Napa store. They sell them right internally through their system, and they work out They work out fabulous, Josh. I've got no complaints with that end of it at all. They've got a lot of equipment, by the way. You got You, you, you do the same thing as I do. Okay. <laughs> on that end of it, don't you? Exactly. And, and again, folks, a lot of you don't think of Napa as being the equipment slash tool supplier, but the reality is they've got more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. it's Sometimes it's a little hard to find with them, but call them, and they'll find it for you. Yeah, and you can look online. They've got a pretty good tool, even for the, even for the retail customer, pretty good tool online, but there's very, there's very little equipment Napa can't get or doesn't stock. It's probably the best way for me to say that. So they, they've got a pretty good offering when it comes to that end of things. So Yeah, everything from generators and you name, you name it, it. They've got it. Wayne in Nebraska, you're up, sir. Yeah, uh, John, I have two bottles sitting on my table here. I was going to call you a couple weeks ago or whenever. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, eight-ounce bottles, white. One's green and one is red. It's number two and number three. And it's for plastic, and it says Novus right on the side of oh, it. Yeah, sure. And, 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 big, and big letters. Is that connected to your co- the yes, company? Yes, yeah, Novus Auto Glass actually invented, if you would, that it's a plastic. The three-step, typically, there's one, two, and three. It's a three-step process in cleaning plastic, whether that be headlamps, uh, you know, the vinyl windows that you have on Jeeps and convertibles, or motorcycle, you know, front-fairing windshields, anything along those lines, anything plastic, and frankly, it works on paint as well. So even small scratches in your paint, there's a three-step process, and it works very well. Okay, what about glass? Does not do anything on glass. It's meant for plastic or paint. Or paint, okay. Uh, what's number one? I got, I got two and three. What's one is just one? a heavier compound, so they do a one, two, three process. One being heavy, two being sort of medium, three being the lightest, sort of a, a polish slash wax, if you would. Yeah, yeah, like a. Well, one's like tan and the other is white. You got it. Number three. You white. got it. Yeah, the white is a real fine polish, basically. Uh-huh. By, by the way, for everybody listening. If you wear eyeglasses, plastic eyeglasses, it's the best way to take care of your eyeglasses and keep them crystal clear. It says right on there, do not use with eyeglasses. Oh, I do, and they work great. I think they say that because they don't want you getting it in your eye, Wayne, but as long as you wash the glasses off when you're done, no, they don't, it'll polish them right up. I've used it. It works great. you use that with any liquid or anything? Nope. You just put it on a soft terry cloth towel and do what the instructions say, and away you go. Okay, they didn't say much on the back. Well, how, how, just yeah, just use a terry cloth towel, and you want to keep the the product you know wet on the towel, and you know use that. You can you can apply the product right to whatever you're polishing as well. Either way, it works the same. Well, I've been using this stuff uh, second to third round bottles. I've been using this. That's great product. It, it, it is. Go look at the reviews. Some of the best, some of if not the best plastic polish on the market. 
What's that again? It's, it said it is some of, if not the best, plastic polish on the market. You say it is the best. It huh? is. Yes, sure is. Yeah, it works really good uh, for what I use. It sure it does. Yep, it's good stuff, Wayne. Okay. All okay, right, man. No, appreciate it very much. Great, great phone call. Great question, Hank and Parker. Uh, looks like you might have a little bit longer question. We're going to take a break. We'll come back, give you plenty of time that way. Lines open, 303-477-5600. This is Drive Radio. This month at Geno's Auto Service in Littleton, receive a new set of windshield wipers with any service over $50. It won't be long before the cold weather returns, so now is a good time to make sure your vehicles are serviced and in good condition. At Geno's, any maintenance or repair work on your vehicle comes with a Napa Peace of Mind warranty, covering parts and labor for 36 months or 36,000 miles. To make your life simpler, Geno's offers loaner vehicles, so you can drop your car off and pick up when ready. This month only, take advantage of free windshield wipers with any service over $50 when you mention this ad on KLZ. For over 38 years, Geno's has been serving customers all along the front range. Geno's is AAA approved and located at Bowles and Platte Canyon in Littleton. Be sure to check out Geno's excellent Google reviews. Stop in or visit them online at genosautoservice.com. That's Geno's with a J. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. Do you know what to do in a traffic stop? Kevin Flesh would like to give you a few tips to help keep you and your passengers safe. If you are being pulled over for a traffic violation, slow down and put on your hazards, find a well-lit location that is out of the lane of traffic, keep your hands on the wheel where the officer can see them and be polite. Don't say anything and don't give any information that is asked. If you feel it's necessary, record the traffic stop and then if you need any legal help, call Kevin Flesh at Flesh Law Firm. Kevin is our legal eagle and is an expert in traffic altercations and accidents. So put this number into your phone, 303-806-8886. You can also find Kevin online at fleshlawfirm.com. Kevin Flesh, Flesh Law Firm and proud sponsor of Drive Radio. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Hank and Parker, you are next. What's going on, Hank? Hey, yes, uh, I got uh, a car, uh, Mazda Speed 3, okay. 2007. And um, it's um, we measured the uh, cylinders, and they've got uh, one of them. Uh, one of them has zero compression. So do you hear any weird noises out of it, or...? 
Or just, yeah, just have zero compression on that one. It's just zero compression on one. The other ones uh, seem to be pretty good. And how is, it's pretty easy to get the valve cover off of that, isn't it? Uh, yes, it's not too bad. Because what I would be looking for, since you're at zero, it's usually not going to be piston rings. It's going to be a stuck valve or a burnt valve on it. And probably the easiest thing to do, if you don't have like a bore scope, we can actually pull the spark plug and look down in and look up at the valves and see what they look like, mm-hmm. is to pull the valve cover and see if you got one stuck down. But if you have a leak detection gauge, which is not a compression gauge, but it's a similar device, if you have access to one of those, you could do that as well. And a leak detection gauge will tell you kind of what's going on. Yeah, exactly. To Josh's. It's opposite. What a compression gauge is doing is there's a tube with a Schrader valve in it that continues to pump up and tells you whether or not that cylinder is pushing compression out of it. A leak detector has no Schrader in it. You're mm-hmm. pushing air into the cylinder with a differential on two different gauges looking at what the in versus the out is, and it tells you how much loss you have. That's another way we check what's going on inside the engine. And that's uh, the best way to do it. But it's a, a little trickier because and you most have, don't to have, have that. that cylinder at TDC Correct. for that exact cylinder. Because if you've yeah, got to make down, sure both valves, valves are closed. Both valves are closed, the piston all the way to the top. A lot of race car guys will do leak detection, Hank. It'll kind of tell you, you know, when is it time to re-ring and do some things on a race engine where we don't use them as much on, you know, regular engines and, uh, because of that. And on aircraft, that's the only way we do leak it. Leak detection. Because we're not going to have that prop right. swinging around. Yeah, so. yeah. You don't want that thing hanging around <laughs> no. at you, do you? But that's okay, a good way to see what's going uh, on in the engine. If it's stuck, if it's stuck down, then it's uh, replaced. Is that right? Sometimes if it is stuck down, I've had it where I've gotten there with like a, the wooden handle of a hammer and put on top of the valve and start tapping on it, and you'd be amazed. Sometimes they'll break free and, and keep running. But if it's burnt, uh-huh. then it is replacement time. So you'll, that, you know, that's the hard thing is to tell whether it's burnt or just, you'll know if it's stuck by looking at the top of the valve. But if it's up at the same height as the rest of them, it's probably burnt, and then you, you have to replace it. You have to replace it, so that just that one then? Yeah, you probably, the problem is when you burn a valve, a lot of times you burn it up the seat where the valve rides, so the whole head needs to come off and usually go to a machine shop to get the seat replaced along with the okay, valve. Okay, so that's the, top, that's the top end then. It is well, the top I, end, yeah. I got you. And then how do I know when I need to replace the turbo? Uh, the easiest way, I mean, if you're having boost loss, then, but what I always do is just kind of pull the intake tube off the turbo and see how much play is in that turbo. Mm-hmm. If you can feel the play, it's pretty much time for the turbo mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. I got you. That's that little uh, spot that sticks out that you can kind of wiggle a little bit. Yep, exactly. Where the veins are. That's it. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help, guys. You're very welcome. Appreciate it, Hank. Thank you. And let us know how that ends up going. Al in Denver is next. Al, go ahead. Uh, yes. I have a 98 Avalon, and it in, uh, the little indicator says my taillights are out. Okay. But I've checked everything. They're, they're, they're on. They work good. All the fuses are good, everything. I checked all that. It, could that be that uh, brake switch? It's usually not the brake switch on the Avalon. Usually it's corrosion on the bulbs on the Avalon. I have a 98 Avalon and get the same thing every once in a while. And uh, usually the water's going into the brake light housing, and it corrodes up that switch and increases the resistance and trips that light. Uh, yeah, but it indicates that both of them are out. You know, I, when they hit the brakes, everything lights up good. <laughs> that it does. Everything. Yeah, every yeah. time. You, because that's the only time it does the sense is when you press the brake pedal, it sends the current, you know, to the brake light bulbs, and that's why. Right, and it, it stays on. It does. It doesn't go off at all until you turn it off. Then when you turn it on again, then it's off. And But the minute you hit the brake, it, can, 
it comes back on. Yeah, and that's the only that's why because it's the only time it senses. But usually, what I've had is, you know, even when the bulbs light, just high resistance on those. If it was a few years earlier, you know, the late '90s, I mean, the earlier '90s, then it would actually be there's a little box that Toyota has in the trunk on the left hand side. The box would go bad. But uh-huh. usually by '98 on the Avalon, they were pretty solid, and it would. What I've always run into is just a little bit of corrosion on those brake light bulbs. Oh, okay. Well, I'll I'll take those out and clean them. And see what's the matter. Yeah, I think that'll. I that'll appreciate get you that very much, guys. You're, no, Al, you're very welcome. I appreciate yeah. it as well. Somebody also texted in on the. Uh, this would apply to Al as well, but the individual with the Ram that was having trouble with the. Uh, the brake light and then you know the light still being on and so on and that is make sure you're using a high quality bulb which we kind of got into some of the cheap leds well there's also cheap incandescents mm-hmm. that can do that as well so yeah thanks for that tip because yes be very careful in these late model vehicles with modules as to what bulb you're using because there are good and bad of those as well <laughs> there is we we tend to forget that kind of like the harbor freight fuses um yeah that's, yeah, it's probably a great way of saying that. You know, and not, uh, what's that old saying? You get what you pay for? Mm-hmm. So, and on these bulbs, by the way, uh, and I've never once in my life had an issue with buying a bulb from Napa. Nope. They're usually Wagner's or Phillips, you know, one of the two. They're high-quality bulbs. I've never had an issue buying a bulb on that end of things. So even though it might be two or three times the money, you know, instead of being two bucks, it's six bucks, go buy the Napa bulb. I know it seems like a big difference, and it is, but not at the end of the day. That $4, it's not worth all the headache. That, and think about modern cars. So I've had it a few times where the film that burns and actually takes the positive and touches the negative oh. side. And so the bulb doesn't light, but when you're hitting it, you're feeding full current into a module. Yeah, good point. And it can cause some, some yeah. issues. No, good point. So buy a, a good bulb that when the filament does burn, it, it drops. It drops. Yeah, you don't want that thing hanging on. No, that's just, a good point. I never thought about that. Yeah, when it you just, just becomes a, a short ago. instead yeah. of an open. Yeah, no, that, no, great advice. So again, folks, yeah, Napa has all of that stuff. Great sponsor of ours, by the way, has been for you know 25 years now here on Drive Radio, and we appreciate them very much. And we speak highly of them. Uh, we all use their products. I mean, I use even as a fleet shop, even though I'm not an auto care like like Josh is today. You know, all, the majority of my parts still come through the the Napa chain, including some of the equipment we were talking about earlier, which, again, for a lot of you listening that maybe don't know, they literally have almost, I mean, you name it, they've got the equipment, even some of the high-tech scan tools and so on. You can buy a lot of that right through the Napa chain. And, again, from from end wrenches to screwdrivers to you name it, they've got it. And they're real deals. So every quarter they have real deals, which... Yeah, talk about that for a minute. So Good. Most people listening don't know what that is, so we've got a minute. Go ahead yeah, and talk it, about that. It usually that. goes out to the shops, but anybody can get it. So they always have deals on all kinds of equipment, everything mm-hmm. from screwdrivers, wrenches, to diagnostic, to the ceiling fans, to heaters, and they're very competitive on that. And you have Napa backing you up on it. That's, that's the part I like, too. Is right. That if I have an issue, I can go to my Napa store, and they'll stand behind it instead of you know, whatever online place that you got right. it for $10 cheaper. Right, exactly. And no, you've got a whole there. corporation behind you besides just some guy at the counter. Exactly. Which is the way, or, or in some cases, mail order or <laughs> internet, you know, where you don't have anybody standing behind it. Yeah, yeah, or you just have to email them because now half these companies online, they're not even there's around. no phone number. Yeah, that's a great point. So it, when it comes to Napa, by the way, I mean, that, if you haven't been in a store lately, I would encourage you to do so because when you walk into even the, the showroom area of the store, you'll see – even a lot of the things that we talk about, and I get this question a lot lately too, which is, you know, what jump box do I buy? Well, they've got typically at the stores those in stock. You can actually go in, ask to see them. 
they'll show you them to where you can look at it before you even decide which one you want to buy. And typically, they're on the shelf. All you have to do is go walk in the door and ask. Mm-hmm. Not that hard, folks. That, and if you buy some at one Napa, you can usually return it at another Napa. I mean, That's, many years ago, I, I bought a yep. generator in, in Isla Mirada, Florida, and returned it out here when it died. So, really? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. No, and, that, and that's why, and folks, that's why you do it. So that, that and that applies to everything from literally water pumps to batteries to you you name it. If you've got an issue, they're going to stand behind it. We've in my entire years, I've dealt with Napa now for gosh, grew up with them. I mean, literally, been dealing with Napa for probably I'm not joking, guys, almost 50 years. Uh, you know, cause I started working in the dealership when I was pretty young. You know, seven eight years of age, I was running around the dealerships. I mean, I can remember the Napa truck you know, showing up, you know, some 50 years ago. So, I mean, I've been buying parts for them for a very, very long time. I've, to Josh's point, I've never had any issues along those lines. So, yeah, mini commercial for Napa, but they're a great sponsor. They take care of you guys as well. Locally here, and I know this isn't every single Napa across the country, but locally they carry the BG products as well. So if some of you out there listening, you hear us talk about BG products and, you know, 44K or MOA or whatever, you can go by your your local Napa store and pick it up there. They typically will have it in stock, and if not, they can get you that product as well. So, all right, lines are open. Anything you need from us, give us a text message as well if you want 307-200-8222 307-200-8222 we'll come right back though lines open 303-477-5600 this is drive radio klz 560 hello drive radio listeners this is chris hammond with ken's and leslie distributing your local bg products distributor back again this week with your bg tech tip This week, we're going to talk about tires, specifically winter tires. For winter driving, the Rubber Manufacturers Association recommends a MS-rated tire. This will be identified by the letters M and S with a pictograph of a mountain with a snowflake on one of the sidewalls of the tire. In Colorado, studded snow tires are legal and often recommended. However, there are several special precautions that must be taken when utilizing studded snow tires. First, only new tires should be fitted with studs. And when studding tires on a front-wheel drive vehicle, all four tires should always be studded. Secondly, it is very important that you break in the new studded snow tires. For the first two to 300 miles, it is important to avoid aggressive driving to include acceleration and braking. This will allow the studs to set permanently in the tire. Third, it is important to ensure that you rotate the tires correctly. There are actually as many as seven different tire rotation patterns, but it is critical to ensure that when rotating studded snow tires, the tire rolling direction should never be changed. This can be achieved by rotating the tires from front to rear on the same side of the vehicle. Lastly, it is important to note that studded tires may actually decrease vehicle performance in many driving conditions and should not be used year-round in our climate. So take care of your tires and your tires will take care of your car and keep everybody safe in the harshest Colorado driving conditions. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with BG. We'll talk to you again next week. 
You're driving down the road and out of nowhere comes a bang. A huge rock just hit your windshield and now you have a star in your windshield. We all know the chip can be fixed, but who is the best? Who has the best resins that keep developing them to work with the newest windshields? That would be Novus Autoglass. Novus, which is the Latin word for innovate, invented windshield repair in 1972 and it still leads the industry in cutting edge technology. Backed by more patents than any other repair and replacement company, while other glass repair services offer limited warranties or worse none at all you can trust the original Novus pros to stand behind their work with a full refund that you can use towards a windshield replacement for the life of your windshield find a Novus location near you by going to our website drive-radio.com just click on the Novus link that's Novus Autoglass a proud sponsor of drive radio you don't need a new air conditioner you just need to get rid of that dead rodent clogging up the wheel the technicians at Absolute Electrical, Heating, and Air complete a thorough inspection before making any recommendations. They'll show you the photos to prove it. You know that feeling when you get a copy of a checklist that a technician supposedly completed, but you're not so sure? After a competitor told one customer they'd need a new air conditioner, Absolute came out for a second opinion. Once they opened up the unit, they found a dead rodent stuck in the wheel. They took a picture to show the homeowner. Then they got the rodent out. No new air conditioner needed. You can imagine how grateful the customer was to save thousands of dollars on an unnecessary replacement. Absolute Electrical Heating and Air includes photos in all of their reports because you need to see for yourself that you can trust them. Call the team that has nothing to hide. 720-526-0231 For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical Heating and Air. Classic car insurance is not created equal. Some insurance companies won't offer you insurance at all, and if they do, it's most likely not the right coverage. If you have an accident or theft, do you know if your current company will cover your classic or modern hot rod for its total value? Do you know that some companies put limits on how many miles you can drive in a given year? Paul Lewinberger has been selling insurance for the past 18 years and knows the ins and outs of the insurance industry. American National Insurance has a division called Chrome Insurance that is specifically tailored toward people like you. Chrome stands for classic, antique, or modern classic, hot rod or street rod, replica or kit car, original, unrestored, modified or custom, exotic, rare or unique, and in excess of $100,000 in appraised value. Don't insure your special car with anyone else. Get the best coverage at the best price by calling Paul today, 303-662-0789, or find him on our website, drive-radio.com, that's drive-radio.com. This is Greg Bloom, the owner at Barber's Foods. I want to personally thank each and every one of you sincerely for the meat that you ordered from us this year. We had a great year, and we really appreciate your business. Now, you've likely noticed that we've rebranded our online store to ranchfreshmeats.com. We did this for several reasons, but one of the primary reasons was to make it easier for you to remember our company name when you tell your family and friends during the holidays where you get great quality local meats. From a Colorado-owned company that knows the origin of all of the meats that we source from family farms. For the coming holidays, we've got some great gift boxes ready. Get your Christmas shopping done early and order now. RanchFreshMeats.com you can spell it with an S or with a Z at the end, but get to RanchFreshMeats.com. 
All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. And Josh was just telling me that on Fix It Radio here in the near future, I need to do like an appliance show. I will do that. In fact, I would really love to have an appliance uh, dealer maybe even join me or you know join the program, be a sponsor, whatever. I mean, be, be awesome because appliances are <laughs> they are. They just most of them are just. I'm sorry. Most of them are just junk. Yeah, it's nothing like you know fixing cars all weekend, fixing your appliances oh. on the weekend. Oh, don't get me started. If we, if we had cars built like appliances, no one would get from A to B. Oh no, they're terrible. They're I, crap. I open them up and I just like. I, I look can't. inside. I'm like, you got this. Is what you built and put out, really? Yeah, in a house. I mean, liability-wise, I don't know how they get away with it. I don't it. either, Josh. I, I'm like you. I look at some of these things and think to myself, good thing you guys don't build cars. <laughs> right. We wouldn't, wouldn't get anywhere. It wouldn't make it out of the no, driveway. No, you wouldn't get out of the driveway. Exactly. Good point. Okay, speaking of building cars and all that, we, we talked earlier, opened up the show. we got a little bit of time right now. By the way, lines are open, 303-477-5600, or you can text us, 307-282-22. Question of the day is, what's your favorite vanity plate you've seen or owned or whatever? But talk about some of the stuff you learned in the EV class you took in Utah. So right now, I guess the main thing is charging. So at home, you know, you're going to charge slow unless you've gone through and wired basically a dryer plug out to your car. And then you'll charge at a rapid rate. The main thing that's going to be the real difference coming up is the superchargers like Tesla have. Right. So most of the cars, when you charge at home, you plug into your wall outlet and you send AC to the car. That's right. Well, the battery is DC. So yeah, so yeah, yeah, make sure everybody understands that. The car itself is using a DC battery. I had a long conversation with somebody the other day asking about that, and they didn't realize that the car had a DC battery. Well, that's what batteries are. Right. Do they? Is there even there's, any such thing as an AC? I don't no, think there's you, no you, you such thing as You can't do an AC battery, right? If there was, then they would skip it because the motors in the car are AC. That's Most of them are, you know, AC permanent magnet motors. That's so what Tesla... Nikolai Tesla himself invented that. That was his big, his big thing. To his us. Claim along to with, fame. Yeah, along with everything else. Yeah. But you know, and then so they're AC. So that's why we have an inverter in okay. there to change it back and forth from DC to AC. So we take the DC and you run the motor on AC. But then as we do the regenerative braking, we're taking the AC and sure. turn it back in the DC to charge the battery. <laughs> it's all done through that inverter. And that's why the inverter, even though there's no real moving parts. Coolant has become a big issue. Because they get hot, right? They get real hot. Okay. So you're taking a car from 60 miles an hour down to almost a stop. before. The, and yep. the, most my, of these yep. cars... My Bolt has, what, three coolant tanks, right? It does. Okay. Yeah, so you have one separate one just for the battery. So the battery has its own separate cooling system. You have an inverter cooling system, and then you have another one for the motor on those. So, But the main thing is, you know, the batteries get hot, too, on charging. Because you were saying, I think, the other day that... You plug that car in, mm-hmm. and your garage, garage is warm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, darn near. Close close to it. I mean, that's an exaggeration probably, although I tell you what, um, and that's partially why they've done a recall on some of those cars, the Bolt in particular, because of some of the, the you know cell issues and the fact they can catch on fire and so on, and there's a recall going on for that. But, yeah, I, I can see why because, yes, they get extremely warm. They do, and the passage in these things are super small, so that's why it's not going to be just go – and grab the cheapest coolant you can find and pour in there. You need to buy stuff with deionized water and the proper coolant because we had the batteries apart, and, I mean, these passages are smaller than the tip of a pencil. Really? 
So they're literally running coolant through the battery itself. I mean, I knew they yep. were, but I didn't. I've never seen one apart. You have now. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, between the battery plates. So each, you know, the batteries broke up into most of them have 92 cells. Okay. It, it depends on you know the size of battery and right. voltage and all that. But we're looking at at least 30 to over 100 cells, and between each cell. I'm mostly modern, the modern ones. They're running coolant. So it's almost like a combustion chamber where they're running coolant around the chamber itself, like a gas engine. They're doing that in the battery. It is. That's only, exactly. only much, much smaller ports. Yeah, incredibly small ports on this. Okay. Cool. Because, you know, you're building up heat all the time. You, you know, the batteries. So where, do they, where does that heat, and again, I'm asking you so you can explain, where does that heat go? How are they extracting that? They have an, a normal electric water pump okay. on these and most of them are running two or three different water pumps okay and they're pushing it back up to a radiator up front to do the same thing so there's and still then some cooling they also have what we call a chiller so they're using we don't use a normal belt driven ac compressor we're it's using an electric, an electric one. one and they will run that into basically a heat exchanger so it's got you know the refrigerant going through one side and coolant going to the other side and they're chilling it with that unit too okay so they're running the ac even when you're not needing it they are and a lot of these cars, that's that's your heat. They're heat pumps right. now. They're not oh, it's just almost instant. Yeah, they're not just using you know it for air conditioning. I'll I'll give you one thing on the on an EV vehicle that my little Bolt, for example, has is, I'm not joking you folks. It could be, you know, 20 or below degrees here down at the station, and I'm not joking. By the time I get out of the parking lot out to Parker Road, I've got warm air. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. It's that fast. Because you have you have normal grid heaters plus that heat pump. It's that fast. Yeah, you don't it's have to. It's almost instant heat. Not quite, but pretty darn close. It's a lot better than your Cummins diesel. Oh, <laughs> that, that thing, thing never so gets cold warmed up. <laughs> oh, no, man. It takes halfway home by the time it gets all the way warmed up. Yeah. No, it is cold-blooded in the wintertime. It's really bad. You almost have to put, well, that's why they would make winter fronts and stuff for those, because you couldn't hardly get them, you know, warm enough in the wintertime. They, you know, they were so, you know, they cooled so well. Uh, it's just the opposite. So, yeah, no, that's the one advantage that the EVs have is, yes, they've got almost instant heat. Darn near close to it. Yeah, and that's that's all part of. All right, what else did you learn? What other what other cool thing besides besides the fact that there's going to be a lot more maintenance than anybody realizes, even the people buying them? Because by the way, everybody buying one thinks I'm going to put tires on it and go. Right. I'm going to put tires and electricity in it, and I'm going to go, and that's all I got to do. Because that's what they're being sold by a lot of the folks in that industry. By the way. Yeah, but that's not true. They're going to have to be maintained. We're going to have cooling systems. We're going to have gear oil. You know, plus Brakes, tires, and you still have the normal stuff. You know, ball joints. Nobody thinks about ball suspension. joints, but all the suspension stuff is. The exact same manufacturers as everybody else. It and the matter. vehicles are heavier than their gas counterparts, right? That they are, yeah. The battery packs. the batteries are huge. They're hugely heavy is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and, and if, you know, you look at your Bolt, I mean, it's the whole bottom of the car. Right. So it's it's a ton of weight. Yeah. Well, a Tesla quite, weighs, quite this, and I've said this before on air, a Tesla weighs the same as an F-150. Mm-hmm. There's no, you wouldn't know that at having it roll down the road, but yes, it is the same weight, so... This is my beef, and I know they're trying to fix this and figure out ways around this, but Tesla owners, EV owners, are not paying road tax. Right. Yet a Tesla, weight-wise, is as hard on the road as an F-150 is because it weighs the same as an F-150. Yeah. Keep in mind, typically the way we do it, not typically, the way we've always done the, the road tax and even registration fees and so on is based upon the weight of the vehicle and how much damage, quote-unquote, it's doing to the road. That's how they've always done that. Uh, you get... For example, most of you don't know this, but if you've got a, a vehicle that's a fleet vehicle and it gets over a certain weight, you're paying on the registration fee what it's capable of hauling, not just the actual vehicle itself. Right. And you're not paying, you know, at the pump. So usually a heavy vehicle, 
eats a lot more gas. So or they're diesel. usually making it up on their own. Exactly. Yeah. You're not doing that with an EV vehicle. They're not paying any road tax right now. No. Zero, zero zilch. There is none. So yeah, they're they're heavy folks because the battery. You know, think about this. Most of you have changed a battery at one point in time in your life. Not everybody, but the majority of people listening have changed a battery at one point in time in their life. So just think about how heavy a regular 12-volt car battery is, <laughs> You know how dense it is, because lead is heavy, and lead is what I realize not all batteries are made from lead, but the componentry of a battery makes it heavy, mm-hmm. correct? It does. I mean, and I've, I've never really looked at the weight difference between a lithium battery versus a regular lead battery what's the difference in weight or is there much there is quite a bit but you know it's still heavy heavy. i mean these battery packs you know we were taking out with special lifts on these so you know when we start servicing you're just not handing them out with you know a couple of guys picking them up and carrying them out of the car oh no you you can't handle that kind of weight (laughs) it's one where it's like an engine you know you're literally you're like taking the engine out of the vehicle and that and that on some of them we're using you know what we call the cherry picker the engine hoist you put a special connector on top of the battery, and you lift. You're picking it, out it up that, just like you would an engine. Yeah, and that's how you do once, you know, on the bolt, once you get the battery dropped out of the bottom of it, you pull the top off. And to pull the cells, because they put in the different blocks. You're using a cherry picker to do You use a cherry so. picker to pull those that's out. That's how heavy they are. That's how heavy they are. Good info, Josh. We'll keep talking about it. Any questions, by the way, you've got for Josh, given he just went to that class, please let us know. 303-477-5600. These are great questions, great comments from Josh. We'll be right back, by the way. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Most oil changes are the same. Old oil out, new filter, new oil in. It's a routine, a chore on the to-do list. What if your oil change wasn't the same as the rest? What if it was life-changing? BG. A BG oil change can change your life because it comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system, which means a lifetime of peace of mind for you. Find a shop near you at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. BG. No one likes to be that person. You know the one stuck on the side of the road, busted tire, making everyone slow down to get around them. With Legacy Automotive's new tire sales, you don't have to be that person ever. Here in our Colorado climate, you might be closer to needing new tires than you think. A bad set of tires can be dangerous and even life-threatening. Tires should be regularly examined for cracks, bulges and blisters, and other signs of wear and tear on your vehicle. The skilled team at Legacy Automotive in Boulder will be able to examine your current set of tires, let you know what they recommend based on what they find, and help you get on the road. Legacy Automotive is a Napa Gold certified auto care shop and employs ASC certified technicians. So don't be that guy and make an appointment at Legacy Automotive today at 303-396-0555 or visit them online at LegacyAutomotive.com. Legacy Automotive, locally grown auto repair. Hunting down that hard-to-find part for an out-of-the-ordinary car can be quite a time-consuming chore. Unless, of course, you just go around the corner to your local Napa Auto Parts store, where we have over 310,000 parts, all of them made to fit and perform just like the original. Yeah, there are people who say it's the journey and not the destination, but those people have never tried to find an alternator for an 82 Fiat on a Saturday. Go to NapaOnline.com for the location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. Arvada West Auto and Truck has been serving all of Western Arvada, Golden, and Wheat Ridge for more than 40 years, and they're proud to keep their customers' vehicles on the road. After starting out as a small gas station, they moved into their current building in 2004. 
at 11752 West 64th Avenue. Arvada West is a Napa Gold Shop, a designation only a few in the nation receive. And after 40 years of service, Arvada West Auto and Truck achieved the Napa Auto Care Shop of the Year for the Rocky Mountain Division of Napa. They'd be thrilled to welcome you to their family. Stop by or call Arvada West Auto and Truck, 11752 West 64th Avenue, just west of Sims, or call them at 303-422-1065. All right, Josh and I talking through the break. We'll give you more information, by the way, on how these EVs work, even the battery packs themselves. We'll get into some of that also. Questions along those lines, please let us know. 303-477-5600. Josh, the wealth of knowledge on that, given the class he just went to. Uh, Bill in Colorado Springs, though, you're next. What's going on, Bill? Hey there. I bet you don't get many uh, questions on 1960 Ramblers, do you? We do not, no. Okay, yeah, I've been restoring this thing. I've owned the car for over 40 years, but I... I just recently got it back on the road, and it's been off the road actually for 50 years because it was a, a junkyard queen. But anyway, I had the engine completely rebuilt, and, and uh, oh, I don't know how many years ago it was, six or eight years ago, but I just now got it running. I've got leaking leakage in the um, rear of the engine, and I can't tell whether it's a pan gasket, which was new at the time, of course, or a rear main seal uh but when I run the car, it, it drips out the back end, you know. And I've got the, the, the clutch cover off so I can see that it's it's coming out from around the, um, I don't know. I can't tell whether it's coming around the shaft or whether it's, as I say, coming around from the pan gasket. But I thought I'd like to talk to a professional and just uh, see what they think. I would say either one. And if I remember, that's still no ro- that's rope probably style. A ro- I was just going to say, probably <laughs> a rope seal on that one because that's all they used back then. They didn't have the technology to do the neoprene seals back in that day, so they literally used a waxed-coated piece rope. of rope. Yeah. That's why they called them rope seals, Bill. And none of them uh, were completely sealed tight. Every rope seal leaks just a teeny bit. And are you driving okay, Are you talking much? around the main bearing or are you yes. talking yeah. about the pan? Uh, the main bearing. Yep. Not the main, pan, bearing, the main bearing, huh? Yeah, they use a rope seal. Okay. For the crankshaft. A rope seal. Yes. Yeah. Front, okay. The front and rear will have a rope seal, typically. And it's in two pieces, mm-hmm. one that's up in the block and then one that rides in the, the, the cab. We used to use this thing called a Chinese finger, which probably is, I probably can't say today in, in this world we live in today, but they used to call them Chinese fingers you'd use to put the rope seal if you ever had it all apart and you wanted to reach you wanted to change that rope seal out you use this thing called a chinese finger to wrap that rope back through the crankshaft to reseal it it's been changed to sneaky pete oh a sneaky pete now yeah, oh, it's a sneaky can't pete. use chinese finger anymore i get it sneaky okay pete. sneaky pete's <laughs> even though that seal is new it still could be leaking well and a rope seal by the way how, how do i make sure i explain this correctly they would they would need some wear in time to actually seal up and not leak. So a brand new rope seal will actually leak a little more than one that's been worn in. Mm-hmm. Am I saying okay. that right, Josh? And they they need to be. Maybe run. I should drive it then for a while, huh? You might want you might want to drive it a little bit if it's got a new seal in it, a new rope seal in it. Yeah, you want to wear essentially you want to wear that rope seal in. And I've always found if you don't drive it a lot, you let it sit, they start to drip too. So They'll dry you know, out. Yeah, they'll dry out. Because that, upper, exactly that upper rope seal will actually dry out. It's the oil that makes them swell and, That's right. and quit leaking. <laughs> That's right. Good point. Okay. All right. And most people didn't well, know. Most, we'll people, most people don't know that those were made out of rope, Bill. 
that, and you probably have a cork, about that? a cork oil pan gasket on there too. That's true too. And they they, they, would seep they too. need to seep too. So, you know, if it does need to have the rope seal replaced, you got to pull the oil pan to replace it anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it, it as I say, the engine was completely rebuilt, so um, everything in there is new. You know. But um, yeah. And now I'm, the uh, DMV is giving me fits about getting this thing licensed. The state police say I've, I'm fine, and the DMV is putting me through all kinds of things, requiring me to uh, get an estimate on it. Why? And uh, do, do you have oh, do you have it, cover it, a title it, bill? No, this oh. came from a, a junkyard, and it was a salvage uh, automobile. Ah, okay, yeah, that changes things. Salvage. Yes. Yeah, that they, changes things. Yes. So where yeah. where what title is it now? What what state? Well, I don't think it has a title. Ah, okay. See, I got a bill of sale from from the salvage yard because I bought it originally as a parts car. Okay. Uh, and then I decided um, a while after that, the, the original Rambler I got rid of, so I decided I'm going to rebuild this one. You know. Okay. So uh, yeah, I could see that one being an issue. It. Yeah, that one's going to be tough. I mean, they want me to now try to contact the former owner. Oh, of course they on do. The, on the, yes, they do. And, of yeah. course, I tried to find her, I mean, 40 years ago. You know, right. I couldn't find her. Yeah, it used so, to be back in the day, it. the way you would get title is you would run an ad in the paper and you had to notify people of, you know, application for right. title and so on and so forth. Now that all that's gone, I don't know what they make you do now. I haven't done one of those in years. Yeah, send oh, a letter. And it's basically called an abandoned vehicle, and I don't know how that works now. And I think that's what it was, you know. Yeah. But obviously, um, since it was in this uh, yard uh, for 10 years before I got it, and that that would have been 50 years ago. Right. Uh, obviously, that person is, uh, I think, abandoned the car. Obviously, yes. <laughs> yes. It in, yes, you know? most likely, yes. Yeah, it used to be Nothing back in the day, you had to go get a bond, you had to post something publicly that you were applying for title, and so on <laughs> and so forth. Well, 40 years ago, I did get a bond, and I got a, a VIN inspection from the state police. And the at that time, the county clerk said, all you have to do is bring, when you get the thing restored, bring us your, your uh, receipts, and we'll title it for you, you know. But that was 40 years ago, see? Yeah, they don't do that today. Most people, most people don't take 40 years to restore a car, but no, it, I, it wasn't a priority. No, I hear you. I get it. No, that's that's not uncommon, actually. It's just now you got to r- jump through all the hoops of what they want you to do. I know. Okay. Well, I appreciate you. No, you're very welcome, Bill. No, thank you very much. And let us know how the rope seal thing ends up happening. But I kind of forgot about those. It's been a long time <laughs> since I've changed it. Right. Those were a pain in the rear, by the way. They were awful. Jerry in Arvada, you're next. Yeah, you guys were talking about that Novus plastic polish? Yes, sir. Where can you find it? From Novus itself, if you'd like. And we've got locations all around the, the Denver area. Just go to the website, drive dashradio.com and you can find a Novus location just click on the link and we've got them all over and they they stock it and sell it Jerry okay so I don't do computers so is there a Novus uh, place in Arvada I don't think I think your closest is going to be Lynn and uh, let me see here I'll give you a number here real quick hang on one second here and I'll just find it for you Um, actually probably your Closest is going to be Andrew, 303-444. Uh-huh. Okay, Boulder? Uh, yeah, Longwood area, 4545. 
4545. Yeah, he's going to be your closest. Okay, his name is Andrew? Andrew. Okay, really good. 303 444 You got it, Jerry. Very good. Thank you, sir. All right, sir. Thank you very much. And, yeah, somebody wanted me to explain how that worked. So, <coughs> excuse me. So the Novus product is a three-stepped product. You don't have to use all three steps, by the way. So what they've got is it's, it's like a polishing compound for plastic. It's really what it is. It, it's a, it's a, it's a wax-type product. One is the heaviest. So if you've got a heavier scratch, something you're trying to get out, you would use one. You're not using a machine on this, by the way. You're just going to use this by hand with a terry cloth towel and just kind of rub the scratch out. Or if you've got a windshield, for example, on an airplane or a motorcycle or something along those lines, you would apply this to the whole windshield. You're going to buff it out, essentially. Step two is taking out some of the finer scratches that one have left behind. Now, if you just have fine scratches, you could start with two. And if it takes everything out, just go ahead and use number three, which is sort of a sealant slash polish that you would put on top of it to help it from coming, you know, basically protecting it is what you're doing. So it's a three-step process, but you can, on lighter scratches, start with number two and then finish off with number three. But it's a one, two, three process. Am I explaining that well enough, yeah, Josh? that's correct. You've used it. You know what it is. That's exactly it. If it's, you know, if you're doing like a headlight or something like that where they're bad and pitted, you're going to start with three, but... You might even start with some, like, ultra-fine wet sandpaper and sand the front of that off, and then start with one, go with two, and then three. And that's what I usually do, is I usually use a 1,000 grit, and then go to 2,000, and then go into three, but I get Which kind of Which most people don't realize you can do that, so you can actually wet sand, they call it back in the day. You don't dry, you use water with it, but you use a wet sandpaper on that super-fine grit, 1,000, 2,000, step it if you want to. Now, if it's not super bad, you could start with 2,000 mm-hmm. and then use the Novus, the, the three or the one product, two, three, and do it that way. Exactly. It depends on how you want to do it. Yeah, that's how shiny you want to make it. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will also tell you this. My experience on headlights. Once they've gotten really yellow, you can typically clean them up, but getting them to stay that way becomes part of the problem because you're, it almost becomes this thing where you're just going to keep working on those time after time after time. Napa, by the way, can supply you with new headlamps for not a lot of money. So if they're super, super yellow, honestly, if they're if they're as yellow as your skin, honestly, which a lot of them will get the color of your skin, if they get that yellow, toss them. Right. Just replace them, put new ones in from Napa, get nice clear lenses. It's a safety item, folks. It really, I walk around our parking lot here at the station at times, and I look around and I think to myself, how can you even see to drive with this vehicle? They're so yellow at that point. It's like, how are you driving with this? So, anyways, let's take a call from Jeff up in western Montana. Jeff, I know we're getting close to a break. If I can get it all in, fine. If not, we'll carry over. Okay, yeah. Um, first of all, in the D.C. stuff, a lot, uh, I'm a font of little known but useless information. And uh, a lot of folks don't realize that the high-power, uh, high-voltage transmission lines are all D.C. That it, all the A.C. from power plants gets converted to D.C. to get transmitted around the country so because they can actually um, send it farther with dc than they can ac right right can you imagine trying to switch all that current in those huge lines that distance 60 times a second i mean you would just have right your line losses they'd light up like filaments right so Um, they run dc down them yep that's why that's why those high voltage lines when it gets a little bit of moisture in the air you can hear them buzzing yes right and uh, and, uh, they said yeah they still have six to seven percent line loss but uh but it would it's minuscule compared to what they uh yeah, good, good to know do okay yeah. good to know all uh, right so you, let's start with your question we'll probably have to come back and finish up and start and we can i can uh get a handle when we come back go ahead 
Well, you've been helping me with my sport track. I don't want to go into all of that, but I just want to say thank you for that. No, you're welcome. It's kind of come. It's kind of come to the point right now of when is it time to sell? Cut your losses on a vehicle. You know, um, I've seen the cost go up gradually over the years, um, from a low of six or seven hundred dollars in maintenance a year to now, and this one close to three thousand. Um, great. So By the way, like, you know, Jeff, that, this is a universal great question. I've even got a little chart that I was going to talk about today. You're dovetailing right into that. Great question. I'm going to put you on hold. Hang tight. We're going to come back. I want to talk about that because it's, again, great universal question that we'll answer for you and everybody else listening. So hang tight, everybody. When is it time to sell a vehicle, a used vehicle, I should say, one you own? I'll come back. We'll chat about that in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. One more hour coming your way. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com, email your questions and comments, download previous programs, and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.